Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 103, which is written by King David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who pardons all your guilt? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with mercy and compassion? Who satisfies your life with goodness so that your youth is renewed like the eagle? The Lord performs righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always accuse. He will not keep his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not repay us according to our guilty deeds. Yes, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so powerful is his mercy towards those who fear him. As distant as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our rebellious acts from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. Like a wildflower, he blossoms. Then the wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place recognizes it no more. But the Lord's mercy is from eternity to eternity over those who fear him, and his righteousness is with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, with those who remember his precepts in order to obey them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his royal power rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you strong warriors who obey his word by listening to what he says. Bless the Lord, all his armies, you who minister to him, you who do whatever pleases him. Bless the Lord, everything he has made in all places where he rules. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever noticed that you can get like five compliments from work for a job well done and you can get one kind of backhanded compliment and you'll focus on that negative thing? Isn't it easy for us? We tend to focus on the one bad thing that happens in our day or in our lives. Today's psalm is the antidote for that. And it's typical to the Hebrew vocabulary. There are a lot of word pictures in, in, in this psalm. And the very first one is right where it begins when it says, bless the Lord. Well, when God blesses you, the Hebrew word Barach, he's giving you something. He's giving you something that usually you couldn't even supply for yourself. For example, when he took on human flesh and saved us, and then he sent a messenger to us and he gave us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. But... We can't bless the Lord like that. We can't give him something. If God needs something, he creates it. And God doesn't need anything. So the only way we can bless the Lord is actually to speak well of him, to praise him, and to live lives in gratitude for what he does. And so today our sermon theme is, Praise the Lord for the greatness of his mercy. And there our text begins, Thankfully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Thankfully, praise his holy name. One of these days, I'm going to preach a sermon exclusively on God's names, and I will not cover all of them. God's names tell us what God has done for you. 
specifically to forgive you and save you and make you his child. And when he's talking, not just externally, like, oh, thanks, Lord, for this food, but everything within him, because you couldn't do that unless you had something in you, a new person. The new person that that is going to live forever. The new person that is a prince or princess in God's kingdom. We could end there. Anytime I'm having a, a bad day, all I have to do is remind myself, surely God is still alive and I am saved. That's it. Then I have every reason to thankfully praise God no matter what happens in this life. Ah, but the song continues for 21 more verses. So verse 2 says... Thankfully praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his beneficial actions. You'll notice how I translate that Hebrew word, beneficial actions. We need spiritual things from God. We can't supply them ourselves. We need emotional things from God. We need physical things from God. And it never ceases how me, to, to amaze me how I can step back in my life and look at something that at the time seemed pretty miserable to go through, And see how it has turned out later to be a blessing for you, for me, and for others. And so another antidote is not just to say, I've been saved, but to just step back in your life and think, look at the wonderful loving spouse the Lord has given me. Look at the wonderful roof over my head. Look at my brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's not forget his benefits while grumbling. We just got to remember all the wonderful things he does for us. And it's easy for us to forget because God is a hidden God. He works behind the scenes. He sends you to change your baby's diaper. He sends your neighbor to be his mouth in comforting you, the person to the left and the right front and behind you in the pew. But it's so it's easy for us to forget because God works behind the scenes. But we know he's the source who even gives us the health to earn the income that puts the bread on our table. Ah, but there's so much more to come. Verse three, and the word used here for sin is an amazing picture. He says, Who forgives, and I translate this word, all the twistings of his will, who heals all your sickness. The Hebrew word there is when we take a commandment. So, for example, if you're working at a fast food restaurant and somebody comes and and they don't give you you the right change, they they over change, and, and, and you think to yourself, well, the commandment is thou shalt not steal, but... This person should have known how to count change. This younger generation can't count change. I'll just put this in my pocket. We would be twisting God's will, thou shalt not steal, to suit our own sinful nature. And this is the way Christians sin the most. I know God's word says this, but we'll just twist this. So isn't it amazing, even after bringing you to faith, God forgives when you and I do that and we do it every day. And it says, who heals all your sicknesses. Brothers and sisters in Christ, look ahead to the future because one day you will have a glorified body that doesn't suffer from cancer and other serious diseases. There's so many of them out there. But God's going to heal all of those. And those diseases wouldn't exist at all, period, if it wasn't for Adam and Eve's fall into sin. And so God has already cured you, specifically you, of the greatest disease and sickness of all. For in our natural condition, the way we were conceived, we were born slaves to the devil. We could not do God's holy will. And do you think the devil has your best intentions in mind? Oh, no, he wants you to burn in hell forever. And God has cured you of that 
by, giving, by taking on human flesh, by living in your place, by dying and removing your sins, by rising, by sending the Holy Spirit. So the greatest disease of all, already taken care of because you have that new person in you. And so he says, who redeems your life from the pit. Now this is a Hebrew word for the grave, but your body d- d- uh, it dissolves, it's destroyed in the grave. It returns back to dust as from whence it was made. But God has redeemed you from that. He's already told you I'm giving you a glorified body. But your new person, your new person never dies. It may be separated from this body, but it goes to be before the Lord. And that new person is alive now. He has literally bought you back and made you his child. So he says, who crowns you with committed love and compassion. Now, they used to translate this Hebrew word, the one I translated as committed love, as mercy. And it definitely involves mercy. But you know, when a parent is committed to their child, look at the things, look at how even after the child is screwed up and rebelled against them, how the parent will pick that child up, and I'm not talking spoil them, but wipe them clean and say, I love you, there's going to be some discipline here, but we're going to get you back in there. God is committed to you and I, and he has compassion on us, and he's literally crowned you with it. Your new person is a prince, is a princess in God's kingdom. And as a crown shines, you know, the gold and the jewels and everything, your life shines with God's committed love and compassion. So verse 5 says, who satisfies your needs with goodness. The Hebrew word there that I translate, we really don't know the meaning of it. But same as the Hebrew preposition, the things that terminate up to you. So it seems to me, and and you can guess just by the sentence, he satisfies your needs with goodness. He doesn't just say here... Here's something. Here's some styrofoam. He satisfies them with goodness, forgiveness, and love, and compassion. The things that serve not just your eternal well-being, which is big, but your temporal well-being as well, because he loves you with that committed love. And so he says, so your youthfulness is renewed like the eagle. You watch an eagle, for example, hunting a prairie dog. It spirals up in the sky. It dives down. If it misses the prairie dog, it'll go back up to the spiral. How often do those bad things happen in our life? We go, oh, why is this happening? And we focus on them. And then we turn around and we see God's love. Or how often do we fall into sin? We go, oh, I'm such a rotten sinner. Why? Why do I keep losing this battle? And then God assures you, I have forgiven you. And we're flying back up like the eagle again. Brothers and sisters in Christ, praise the Lord for the greatness of his mercy, for the blessings he gives specifically to you. As he has showered you with his committed love that way. Now we move on dealing with the way God deals with, with a, a bigger group of people. And first verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. God is holy. And he works what is right and what is just. Even awful people, the, the world, cruel leaders of the world who have destroyed Christians, they don't get away with it forever, do they? No. But God has especially worked righteousness and justice for his bride, the church making her his bride. And so verse 7 says, He kept making known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the children of Israel. Israel was, was oppressed. They were made slaves. And God let them know each one of the plagues that was coming. And he let them know, put this blood on your doorpost and I won't kill your firstborn. He did that through Moses and he showed them over and over again his divine providence and love. It's kind of disgusting when they start grumbling, if only we had enough meat like we had in Egypt. But the Lord continually, and, and he's done this for you because he's had his word recorded and you get to study it and you're hearing it. So verse 8 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. And the Hebrew word for graciousness here is 
When somebody who has something they can supply and the person needs and they can't supply it themselves. When, we're, when you're so desperately stuck in the snowdrift that the only way you're getting out is if somebody comes along and pulls you out. And Jesus did that for us, sending us the Holy Spirit. And so he says, slow to anger, abounding in committed love. Slow to anger. Now, think about that. After God t- they, takes all the Israelites and, and they see all the plagues, he protects them, he even destroys Pharaoh's army and they turn around. Oh, if only we were back at the pots of flesh that were just piled up in Egypt. And they totally forget that they were slaves who were being oppressed. God still picks them up. He gives them manna. He gives them, he gives them meat. But eventually that generation finally did find the extent of God's patience They send out the 12 spies and they believe 10 of them instead of uh, the two who said, no, in God's help, we will do this because God is our God. So he says this generation, they could still be saved, but they're not going to enter the promised land. Your children will. Think about how slow to anger God is. And that's a comfort because brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I both have sins that we're especially weak at. Sins we struggle with every day. And while we're struggling with it, our new man has got the sinful nature in the headlock, but that sinful nature gets a kick in. And we sin. But God picks us up and he pours the blood of Christ upon it and says, you are still my child. I still love you. So it's so comforting for all of his believers. Old Testament Israel is a representation of the true invisible church, the the bride of Christ. He is slow to anger and abounding in committed love. So verse 9 says, he will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. There's a neat Hebrew word picture here too, because the Hebrew word for an accusation is... When somebody drags you to court and lists all the charges and all the evidence against you. But see, Jesus is your attorney. He stands forward and says, I died for that one. I died for that one. And, you know, and I rose victorious. But you know what? Jesus is not just your attorney. He's your judge. God points out our sins not to rub it into us, but so that we struggle and, and we don't lose our faith. And he's slow to anger with us. So verse 10 says... He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And it says, nor repay us according to, once again, the Hebrew word for sin here is when we twist his will to suit our own for our perversions of his will. Now, that's you and I, when somebody sins against us, it's I want revenge. And lots of times we don't just want an equivalent revenge. We we want our revenge to be even worse. But God pours the blood of his son upon us. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is the superiority of his committed love above those who hold him in reverent awe. Now, the King James Version translated that Hebrew verb there, that Hebrew word, as fear. Now, today when I say fear to people, they think of the monster in the closet, right? But you and I should fear going, being sent to hell, but instead we have a respect for God because he's our brother who died for us. He's our heavenly daddy that sent our brother to do that. He's the Holy Spirit that lives in our heart. And we stand back with the respect and awe. So this is talking about the body of believers here. And so verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our rebellions from us. Once again, another Hebrew word for sin. A teenager steps out the door and his father says, be home by 1030. And the teenager thinks to himself, I ain't coming home till 1230. They're rebelling against their parents' wishes, right? Every time we sin, we are rebelling against God. We're saying, you're a cruel oppressor and your rules don't work for me. But he forgives us of those too. And so we're told, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who hold him in reverent awe. 
for his whole body, for the bride, for you who are a member of his people, he has compassion. And so we praise the Lord for the greatness of his mercy, not just for the blessings he specifically gives to you, but also for the blessings he gives to all of his people, of which you are one of them. He continues, For he knows through experience our form. He remembers that we are dust. The Hebrew word for knowledge here is he knows through experience. How does he have that experience? Because God made you. He literally made Adam out of the dust and breathed life into him. And then he took Adam's rib and made Eve. He knows that because of sin, our bodies return to dust. And then the song gets kind of gloomy after all this upbeat things. It says at verse 15, a person's days are like grass and the flower as the flowers of the field. So he blossoms for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place does not recognize it again. We see that in Wyoming in a dry summer and then we get rain and the, and the desert blossoms. But then once again comes the Wyoming wind that dries things up. Boof, gone. Kind of scary to think about that, isn't it? How short our life is and to be told and people aren't even going to remember you. Oh, the generation that knew you will. But your great-grandchildren, well, they might end up doing an ancestry uh, search or they may end up doing my 23 and me and finding out that you were not that significant, that you or I were not the great artists of the world and stuff and will be forgotten again. That's a pretty bleak picture of life until verse 17 says, Yet the Lord's committed love is from forever unto forever upon those who hold him in reverent awe. Oh, I could preach a sermon on this from forever, from before time ever began until time ceases to exist and we still exist because we'll be in eternity. This means God predestined you to hold him in reverent awe. God predestined you and he he makes sure that you have received that eternal life. And so it says, and his righteousness to children's children. Think about it. We have a great grandchild in our congregation today whose great-grandparent is in this congregation along with each generation. How we pass on the word of the Lord and he assures us as we pray, Lord, keep my children saved. Yep, okay. (laughs) Verse 18, to those who keep watch over his covenant and those who remember his precepts in order to do them. I do not translate this word commandment because he's not just saying keeping the Ten Commandments. Obeying the word of God, not tampering with it. That's where we hear the instructions that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's the big covenant that we watch over. Lord, I'm going to stay in that faith by coming to your word, which is one of your instructions. So we praise the Lord for the greatness of his mercy, for the eternal blessings he gives. And again, specifically to you. So we continue then at verse 19. The Lord established his throne in the heavens and his royal power rules over all. Then he gets a specific application of his royal power. Thankfully, praise the Lord, O you, his angels, powerful champions who do what he says by listening to the voice of his word. Let me just stop there. Remember, if we interpret Revelation right, one third of the angels rebelled against him. But the two thirds that didn't, God confirmed them in their holiness. They cannot sin. They are literally messengers and they do the will of God. They do God's good and gracious, well-pleasing word. And notice how he points out that they do it. They listen to his word. And that's you and I actually, even though we'll never be angels, we're actually the crown of his creation. When we do his word, we are obeying him well. And, and he, he sends the angels in his ruling activities established from his throne to serve you in the ways you and I often never will know. 
And so he says, thankfully praise the Lord all his multitudes. This does not just include the army of angels. Remember, God used an army of insects in the plagues. God can use dust in the stars. Everything in creation. So he says, you who minister to him, who carry out his will, thankfully praise the Lord all his works in all places of his ruling activity. In God's ruling activity, he uses you to bring others to the faith and to encourage them. And that's part of his ruling activity. But the amazing thing is all this ruling activity, all these angels, all this creation, all these multitudes, God has used them to bring you into the faith and keep you in the faith. So we praise the Lord for the greatness of his mercy, specifically for his ruling activity for you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the last stanza of this psalm ends right where it began, the same exact wording. Thankfully praise the Lord, O my soul. When your neighbor is complaining, when you're complaining, open up Psalm 103 and work through it and you will see. We have lots of reason to praise the Lord for the greatness of his mercy, for the blessings he gives specifically to you, for the blessings he gives to his people, and he's made you one of, a part of his people, for the eternal blessings he gives, especially that he's given to you, and for his ruling activity specifically for you. Amen. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May his face shine upon us. Amen.